Hello, mothlings, ghouls, and creatures of the night. You must have been attracted to our lot. You are listening to the Midnight Moth Podcast, and I am your host, Wednesday, from the band Pumpkin Guts, and this is my co-ghost, The Nameless Entity. Hi. So if you all didn't check out the uh, bonus episode that we threw out this week, we are running the poll to name our co-ghost, finally. Uh, By the time this episode is out, that poll will be up and active. So just head over to the Midnight Moth Instagram page to cast your vote for what you think her name should be. Um, We're really looking forward to picking a winner for that. And whoever's uh, submission does win is going to get a super awesome mystery prize. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So today, it is Friday the 13th. So happy Friday the 13th to everybody out there in Mothland. In the Mothland. (laughs) All you Mothlings in the Mothland. In my mind, that seems like it would be a closet, like a big <laughs> closet filled with sweaters and stuff. Like, <laughs> oh my god, moth paradise! Yeah, okay, so I'm sure you guys can guess what movie we're going to be covering today, but we are taking a little break from Circus Month to bring you a I'm not really going to call it a review, just more of a uh, the midnight um, moth goes to the movies. <laughs> Midnight Moth Goes to the Movies, yes. So we watched uh, the original Friday the 13th from 1980. And it is something else. (laughs) It is something. In case you guys don't know what the Friday the 13th movie franchise is. It's such a part of pop culture. I don't know how you could. I'm going to be shook that you're here and don't know what it is by now. But... We're not going to be judgmental here. Uh, So that is the slasher franchise with Jason Voorhees. Yes, who, uh, you know, wears a hockey mask and makes the... people with a machete. Yeah, and makes that weird... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly that. (laughs) Who is also one of the only masked um villains who gets his mask removed in almost every movie in every movie everybody is always so shocked yeah. i myself am always shocked to see it so this movie come out in may it came out may 9th of 1980 is directed and produced by sean s cunningham is written by victor miller the production company for it was georgetown productions and paramount pictures and warner brothers yeah, so we just barely missed the um, the anniversary of this because it is May the 10th when we're recording this. And uh, yeah, it came out on May the 9th. So. <laughs> but to be fair, we did rewatch it on May 9th. That is true. Uh, so. and, you know, if anybody out there is looking to watch this movie, um, if you want a refresher on it or if you haven't seen it, it's apparently really hard to find it streaming anywhere i thought that it was on some like multiple platforms especially since like paramount owns it but this original one is not i had to rent it i think we both rented it on amazon right yeah i did yeah um i thought i was gonna have to watch it like a caveman on a dvd but uh, I, I know <laughs> but <laughs> but my dvds are still in a box from when i moved so um did not did not get to watch that on, on a dvd uh, so this movie come out and it only had a budget of five hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh but it ended up making 59.8 million dollars worldwide which is a lot of money for 1980 yeah it did super well it's also uh, one of Kevin Bacon's very first movies. Like, he's not even known at all in this movie. Like, he's so, like, obscure, I guess, in this yeah. movie. He's, like, the fifth character listed in the credits. Right. So, I mean, like, he's just, he's a nobody. Yeah. So, like, I know that the guy that made this movie, he just kind of saw how well Halloween did, and he thought he could do just as good. That's really where the inspiration for this came from. Yeah, he was kind of just riding uh, Michael Myers' Kurt, Kurt <laughs> coattail here. He's <laughs> 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 Kurt Terrell. <laughs> <laughs> he was riding Michael Myers' Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> you said it so, like, matter-of-factly. Like, that was definitely the word you meant to say. <laughs> that is 100% the word I meant to say. Nobody correct me. <laughs> I know what I mean. 
who's your favorite character in this movie? Do you have one? My favorite character, honestly, probably um, that old man. What is his name? Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph. Yes, I love Crazy Ralph. He cracks me up. <laughs> Everybody else kind of gives me the creeps. Like, not the girls. They're just kind of like, just typical, you know, like, <laughs> girls. But <Yeah. laughs> all the dudes are kind of creepy. Yeah, they really are. And that whole, like, weird thing with, like, our survivor girl and uh, the the guy that owns the camp. Like, that was just very weird and uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. The guy that, like, hires the counselors or whatever, he uh, literally in my notes. Um, we'll get to that part in a minute. But literally in my notes, whenever we hit that scene, I was just like, I was like Steve being creepy to Alice, I think was her name. Uh, so, you know, I really like, I liked Annie a lot when I met, but, you know, she doesn't even make it to the camp, but I did oh, like no. her. Yeah, God, I was so, like, upset whenever I was rewatching that, because, like, in my mind, I haven't seen this movie in, like, years. In my mind, I was thinking Annie was the one that made it yeah. to the end, and I was like, oh, well, here's our main character, because she had some real hard, like, main character energy. She was like she was like five minutes in and got murdered and i was like oh no not annie right yeah i felt i felt bad about i mean honestly though like i was saying before we started recording for some reason watching this this time around it hit me in a different way than normal like i did not normally when i watch a slasher film there might be a character in it or two that i feel bad for like but I'm watching a slasher film because it's a slasher film, you know, like I'm watching it for the death scenes, for the gore, for, you know, whatever. But for some reason, this movie, this time watching it, I just felt awful for every person in this movie. Like I did not enjoy the death scenes or anything in it. Like I just felt like saddened by it more than anything. <laughs> well i mean the thing is with slasher movies typically um all the kids are really stupid and obnoxious and uh every time they get killed you're like oh well they had it coming right yeah you know they were being dumb doing stuff you're not supposed to do in a horror movie go watch scream they'll tell you what not to do yeah but in this movie these kids are just being kids and you know which i i think they're supposed to be in their 20s or something but they still would be kids like they're like probably between 18 and 21 years old if i was guessing yeah and it just makes you feel bad because like they're not even like doing anything they're literally just trying to open up a camp to let some kids come and have fun right i guess we'll just we'll get into it but like when we get to them i have uh some behind the scenes stuff that i watched in a, a documentary that i want to mention when we get to those scenes but i'll wait until we're there <laughs> oh, okay that's fun so before we get started for anybody that's not watched this movie you may or may not want to listen to this because it will absolutely spoil it for you yeah um because we're just doing a play-by-play -play. yeah but maybe you have seen it and just want to hear our take on it but you haven't watched it in a long time either way um i've got a brief synopsis of the movie from google so it says Crystal Lake's history of murder doesn't deter counselors from setting up a summer camp in the woodsy area. Superstitious locals warn against it, but the fresh-faced young people, Jack, Alice, Brenda, Bill, Marcy, and Ned, pay little heed to the old-timers. Then they find themselves stalked by a brutal killer. As they're shot, slashed, and stabbed, the counselors struggle to stay alive against a merciless opponent. That's Which is a very interesting way to explain this movie, but I mean, I guess it gets the point across. Yeah, it's a pretty perfect way, I think, to explain it. <laughs> it's more poetic than I would have said it. <laughs> Fair, yeah. Our, our opening scene is at Camp Crystal Lake in 1958. Yeah, so it opens up, and you've got uh, this group of counselors in this cabin, and they're all singing around a campfire. And uh, two of the counselors sneak upstairs to, you know, make out or have sex or what have you. We're going to assume they're, you know, doing the deed. <laughs> yeah. I also, though, before that, I liked how these these uh, people are singing, like, Jesus songs. And they're locking eyes with each other, like, being all, like, flirty and whatever while they're singing Jesus songs. <laughs> Nothing turns me on like talking about Jesus Christ. Right, like what? 
I can't remember what the song was, but yeah, it was some kind of a little Christian song. It was, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Jesus Loves Me or anything like that, but it, it was a song that was like singing. It's close. Yeah. So they sneak upstairs to, um, you know, do do their thing and they start making out. So as they're up there and the other counselors are still singing this is like the first time you get one of those uh those uh scenes where it's from the bad guy's point of view so like your camera is the eyes of the killer and they walk all the way through one of the cabins with the kids sleeping so you see them pass up all of the sleeping campers so you know like they're headed for the camp counselors and it goes like they go up up the stairs where those two kids went off to and immediately you know the guy jumps up and he's like oh we weren't doing nothing and then he gets stabbed like he gets stabbed and this right away just kind of tells you that whoever this is that's come up there on them must look totally normal because they just respond as if it's just you know like someone who's walked in on them they don't freak out as if it's a scary person or anything like that but the guy gets stabbed and then the girl starts screaming and she also gets murdered, but you don't see her get murdered. So I'm not sure. I guess probably the same thing happens to her that happened to him. Yeah. It just, uh, it has her screaming and then the screen goes black. Yeah. And then that's uh, your opening credits to the movie. Right. So then next it uh, goes to our first character, which we were talking about Annie. Uh, she's getting dropped off at this little diner uh, from a bus and she's got like her little backpack and stuff and she goes in and she's like hey you know how far is it to crystal lake i'm gonna be a counselor there i'm gonna she's supposed to work in the kitchen yeah and immediately it's like a record scratch like everybody in there just turns and looks at her like what so this is where uh you meet crazy ralph for the first time and she's uh, uh, she's gonna like have to get a ride because there's no buses that go to Camp Crystal Lake so she's gonna get a ride with this truck driver guy named Enos yeah and everybody's like warning her not to go up there Ralph tells her that uh, Camp Crystal Lake has a death curse (laughs) death curse death curse (laughs) (laughs) so then this man what's his name Enos Enos is his name yeah Enos so Enos is uh, driving Annie to the camp and is telling her that she d- just needs to quit her job. He's not just like, you need, you need to not go. You need to quit. Uh, and he tells her all about the camp's history. And this is where he mentions, oh, well, in 1957, a kid drowned. And then in 58, two more kids were murdered. Yeah. And then he says they tried to open it again in the 60s, but the water was bad. Yeah. And he said something about there being a bunch of fires there, too. Mm hmm. But she's not deterred. She basically is like, at least I don't believe in ghost stories. <laughs> yeah. Like, if that were me, I would have been like, I mean, the locals would know more about an area than what somebody from, you know, not from there would. I, I would have definitely been like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> One of my favorite things is like, well, I don't think this was when she was talking to him is when she was talking to this next person she's riding with, but I'll mention it. <laughs> so he ends up dropping her off too. He won't take her all the way up. And he drops her off right in front of a cemetery, which I'm like, yeah, okay. That's just a kind of a little ominous like foreshadowing there. I feel like there was a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. If you pay attention. Yeah. So he drops her off in front of the cemetery and then it cuts back to our other teens, our group of counselors, and uh, a truck pulls up. They're blaring banjo music for some reason. Steve is there (laughs) chopping wood. In a pair of shorts, no shirt, a bandana wrapped around his neck and some boots. Like he looks like he's like a pinup model. (laughs) yeah and he's got this like porn stash and these big like very 80s glasses yeah that super curly hair but um so steve is our uh creepy boss guy (laughs) he's like the main dude that hired all these people and so the truck pulls up and it's got uh i know jack for sure is in there i think jack and marcy what is that guy ned i think his name is ned yeah jack marcy ned and brenda are in this truck one of them's kevin bacon yeah jack is kevin bacon okay 
So if you guys are interested in seeing little baby Kevin Bacon, then you can go watch this movie because he he looked relatively the same, just like very, very, very young. I'm not sure how old he was in this movie. He had to have been in his early 20s, though. Right. The people that were already there was Steve, which again is like our boss guy, and then Alice, which is another uh, counselor. She was already there. And then it cuts to a scene of Steve and Alice just having like a conversation. Alice is like putting up this uh drain on one of the cabins and she literally like she is she's got a whole drain in her hands <laughs> she hits one nail one time and suddenly like it's on like it's fine and she climbs back down yeah. <laughs> the thing is being a huge creepo to her like hitting on her and stuff yeah because she's, she's like she's talking about leaving like she's like i'm gonna go back to california i have some stuff there i need to take care of i don't think this is for me yeah like she's just not into it and he just like keeps on like trying to uh flirt with her and hit on her and stuff like that then like by the end of their conversation he's like rubbing her face and stuff and i'm like dude back off (laughs) she does not look very like reciprocal of it either like she doesn't look like she's enjoying what he's doing she looks kind of uh, disturbed. Which I would be too. It was very disturbing. He was being big creepy. Oh, yeah. After that, I'm pretty sure it's when we go back to Annie, right? Yeah. Okay, so we cut back to Annie, and she is hitchhiking again, <laughs> trying to get yeah. up here to the, to Camp Crystal Lake, because, like, nobody wants like, to take her. Right, but I'm like, why didn't she just continue to just... Uh, she wasn't that far from it. She could have just walked the rest of the way, and it would have been fine. Which, I mean, you know, if she she did have a big backpack, to be fair, you don't know how much I weighed. Well, that's true. <laughs> but uh, this Jeep pulls over and picks her up, and uh, it cuts to her having a conversation with whoever this person is in this Jeep. It never will, it never does show, like, who's in the Jeep. But this is what I was talking about earlier. Uh, one of the things she's saying to this person, and she's like, I hate when they call children kids. It just makes me think of billy goats. i wrote that down too because i was like that's so funny because she's like just going on and on about how she wants to work with kids and how much or how she wants to work with children and how much she loves them and stuff and then she says that and i was just like i don't know like to me the word kid is a secondary meaning for baby goat like the first thing i think of when you say kid is a child like a human child (laughs) But yeah, she's just like going on this big rant to this random stranger. Yeah. Well, then the stranger who's driving the Jeep just blows right past the turn in for Crystal Lake. And Annie starts freaking out. You know, she's like, you passed it up. And like, she's like, starts like screaming, like to let her out. And the Jeep is just going faster and faster. And a part of me, I mean, I don't know. I do kind of wonder, had the the girl not jumped out of the jeep to try to flee if she'd have just stayed in there i wonder if this driver given what we learned later i wonder if she would have like if annie would have lived like if this driver would not have murdered her because it seems like they were just trying to stop her from going to the the camp honestly i'm not sure because i i feel like after that this driver learned that she was going to be a counselor at the camp yeah it made her or it made the driver want to do this to her <laughs> yeah but then like we get you know like this part is mostly the the from the the camera being the character like and you're watching Annie run try to run through the woods after she's jumped out of this jeep and she's like hurt her ankle and you get a glimpse of this driver and they're wearing slacks and i'm like okay like a killer in slacks and just plain black shoes like that's weird (laughs) yeah and uh then it cuts to annie getting her throat slit yeah which is which um, there's like no noise no nothing no it's just a real quick like (laughs) yeah and it doesn't even make it makes like literally zero noise (laughs) it threw me off until i saw the blood and i was like oh no she's dead yeah, so she dies out there in the forest. Which was very unfortunate because I really, um, I remembered, like, my memory was that Annie was one of the people that, like, made it t- towards the end of the movie, but I guess not. No, <laughs> she, she doesn't even make first it to victim. the camp. Yeah. No, she, but I guess that's what she gets for being so annoying and going on about kids for 20 minutes to the stranger. <laughs> okay, so after this, we cut back to the counselors, and now they're all, like, out swimming in Crystal Lake. 
Yeah, I'm putting together those weird floating dogs. Yeah, and uh, then they have, like, a small scare because they think that Ned is drowning. But he was just uh, joking, which is just ridiculous. Ned is just kind of, like, stupid, like, yeah. all together to me. Like, he annoys me to death. But, yeah, he uh, they pull him out or whatever, and then he, like, he tried to kiss one of them. I want to say Brenda. Yeah, because she's giving him mouth to mouth. Yeah, and he starts like trying to make out with her or whatever because he was just being stupid. Then, yeah. so Alice goes into her cabin and she's like drawing off the stuff, and there's a big black snake curled up next to her little vanity. Yeah, and she honestly, I mean, like she does go to get help, but she handles that so much better than I would have. Like she kind of, you know, she doesn't like necessarily run. She that she gets to the door and just like starts yelling for someone to come help her. But like if that were me, I would have my flight or fight is always either flight or freeze. I don't have a fight. <laughs> so I don't I know either. what I would do. I've never been in a situation like that. Given the way that my brain reacts to most things, I think I probably would have been on top of the building before I even realized it. But that entire scene with this snake was so chaotic. It really was. So, like, everybody ends up coming into the cabin, and uh, they're all, like, looking around for the snake or whatever, and they can't find it. It's crawled underneath that uh, little vanity where she was, like, doing her makeup or whatever she was doing. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, like, Kevin Bacon's character, like, flops down on the ground, and then everybody else flops down on the ground, and they're <laughs> all looking underneath the bed. Yeah. And screaming and freaking out. And then Jack, which is what I need to call him, not Kevin Bacon. So Jack <laughs> gets up and jumps, like plops down on that bed and like breaks that bed. Yeah. And then that snake like slithers out. And uh, is it, I think Ned ends up getting like a hatchet and like chopping its head off. Yeah. Which is another bit of like foreshadowing. Right. Do you know one time uh, I had a snake, like a black snake like that, get in my house? And, like, I, it was pretty big. It was probably, honestly, about the size of that snake. And, um, yeah, that was, that was terrifying. And I'm trying to remember, if I remember correctly, the way that I responded to that was pretty much what I just said. I, like, grabbed my dog and just, like, flew out the front door. <laughs> <laughs> Until I could get someone to help me. Honestly, what's more terrifying about that is, like, if you leave the house and then you go back in, it's not where you left it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you do then? Right. God, that just freaks me out just thinking about it. Go on, though. Okay, so after this, we go to, um, is this the scene where Ned's like, shooting arrows at the little, at those little targets and he almost hits Brenda with one? Yeah, like, because he shoots it, she sets up the target, and she's still standing next to it, and he shoots the arrow, like, right next to her. Yeah, and she starts screaming at him and stuff, and then he starts being real racist. Yeah. And acting like an Indian. <laughs> then he starts being... But also, it's 1980, so I guess, you know, that's that's why. Yeah. But, uh, so then, uh, this police officer shows up to the camp on a motorcycle. Ned is still... <laughs> being inappropriate yeah and about to get arrested pretty well so this police officer shows up and he's looking for ralph because he says that ralph is like gone missing and he's the town crazy and so they're looking for him and uh of course none of these people know who ralph is because the only person who did know who ralph was was annie and she is dead so he's looking for ralph and uh then he gets a call on his cb just said that he need to get back to town asap or something yeah I was going to say a car accident, but that's later. That's a different, that's that other cop that helps Steve get back to the camp. So I'm, I don't know, but he had like the worst police costume I've ever seen in my life. And he had two different badges on. <laughs> 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 like he wasn't even real. That. <laughs> he wasn't even it seemed a very cop. fake. <laughs> so he was wearing like this button-up shirt and it had a badge on it and then he's wearing this like little bomber jacket over top of it that had another badge on it oh my god wow so anyway our cop leaves and uh then it cuts and shows alice like she's gonna go make everybody salad i think and uh it cuts to her in the kitchen area and for some reason like i don't know if they just don't have like power here or what but like there's a fridge there so i feel like the fridge is pointless if they don't have power but there's no lots on 
Yeah. Oh, they have that generator because the generator goes out like two different times. I think the the guys end up having to get the generator running again. So she's like in this little kitchen and she's, you know, making her salad or whatever. Then all of a sudden Ralph pops out of the pantry. (laughs) And he's like, this place has a death curse. You'll never wake up again or something like that. (laughs) And then he just leaves. Like... The other guys come and, like, tell him, like, you know, he needed to get out of there or something. I can't remember what exactly. Yeah. But he just leaves. Like, that's it. He's just like, there's a death curse. And then he's gone. (laughs) Yeah. He just goes on about his business, I guess. Yep. That's it. That's all. He he said, like, something about how, like, God sent him there. Oh, yeah. To warn them or something. Right. But it doesn't do any good because, of course, they're not going to listen to this, this crazy old guy, you know? So then it uh, cuts to Jack and Mar. Is it Jack and Marcy by the lake? And they're like making out and stuff. And Ned's like being creepy and like watching him. And then he like walks away. Yeah. And he goes into the cabin, into one of the cabins because he hears somebody in there. And then you don't like it basically cuts away from him again. Like after he's like, is somebody in there? And you don't see what happens to him and then jack and marcy are sitting there talking because there's gonna there's supposed to be like a storm and you can kind of hear like the thunder and stuff like that and marcy honestly tells- what's funny about that scene sorry uh it looks like somebody's just flashing a flashlight and that's supposed to be lighting right yeah <laughs> and then jack is like oh there's a storm coming and it's just like flash flash (laughs) (laughs) and marcy tells him that she's scared of storms and that she's always had this like reoccurring dream where a big storm comes and the rain turns into blood and the blood washes away in little rivers again i feel like another little uh foreshadowing kind of creepy thing (laughs) yeah um it was it's definitely kind of foreshadowing but also just like very creepy and random and if i was jack i'd be like oh okay psycho (laughs) but it's very super random robin instead they go back to their cabin and decide to hook up with each other and there is uh what is kind of a, a very explicit um sex scene here and it seemed to last forever which is the beginning of a long line of very explicit sex scenes in (laughs) jason movies yeah but like while they're doing it um the other uh counselors that um brenda and alice and billy is that his name billy yeah yeah billy is played by uh harry crosby which is bing crosby's son oh okay yeah um but they decide to play strip monopoly together which is like what (laughs) yeah uh i can't remember they explained the rules because i was like how do you even do that and it was like every time that like i guess instead of paying rent or whatever they was just taking off clothes yeah and uh and she says Brenda is the one explaining the rules and she tells them that like if they get um community chest or whatever that they don't get to put their clothes back on and uh, and then she's also decides like that they should get high because Marcy left a joint in there so they decide to smoke that what time they're playing yeah and there's some very like 70s 80s lingo did Marcy yeah. leave her grass yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it cuts back from that. I feel like there is there is a scene somewhere here where Steve is at the world's smallest diner back in town instead of there. Like, he left and went to that diner. I don't know why he left, though. He left them there all by themselves. I can't remember what the deal was, like, why he left. But, yeah, um, I don't think it shows him at the diner just yet, though. Okay. I think it cuts from the strip monopoly back to the sex scene right yeah it cuts back to jack and marcy still doing it still going hard and uh all of a sudden you hear a drip and above them is the ned's dead body yeah 
who also got his throat slit. So they're in a bunk bed, by the way. So they're on the bottom bunk and Ned's body is on the top bunk. So um, they finish up, you know, doing the deed. (laughs) And they like put their clothes back on mostly. And And Marcy decides she's got to go to the bathroom. It's like pouring the rain. And all the bathrooms like are in this one separate cabin. Yeah. Like it's just full of nothing but like bathrooms and showers and things like that. Right. So she leaves Jack laying in bed and he uh lights up a cigarette or a joint or something. And uh then that blood he, drips down on him. It drips down like on his face and he like looks at it and he's like, Oh my god. Yeah, And then about that time, uh, a hand reaches out from underneath the bed and grabs him by the throat, and he gets stabbed right through the throat. With, like, a harpoon gun? It's not a harpoon gun, but it looks like, like a harpoon kind of thing. Like I think it's, it's an a, arrow. It, it looked bigger than, like, a regular, like, a arrow you would shoot with a bow. That's why I thought it was, like, a harpoon, but I'm not sure what it is, but that that triangular thing like breaking through his neck just freaks me out every time I see it that's definitely one of my favorite deaths in the movie because it's so like brutal and disgusting that death is iconic and out of everything in this movie that is what I remembered the most vividly yeah is when Kevin Bacon gets got (laughs) yeah because just seeing that like bust through his skin and then that little pool of blood in like his like uh clavicle kind of area yeah and they like twist it around yeah it's disgusting it's gross so then it cuts to marcy and marcy's just like doing whatever in the bathroom being dumb and uh she's (laughs) in there like it so it's okay so keep in mind it is like just pouring the rain it is storming just like crazy and she goes out in nothing but like her t-shirt and like a pair of panties yeah over here to this bathroom in the pouring rain and she's talking to herself in the mirror like i don't know what she's reciting but she's like reciting some kind of like movie lines or something and literally laughing at herself yeah she's like you're always gonna be ugly kid (laughs) and then she's like (laughs) (laughs) and then she goes to wash her hands and the water's not working and it cuts back to uh that same kind of camera angle where it's like you know the killer's point of view yeah and uh so it looks like the killer is like creeping up on her and she's just like sitting in the floor underneath the sink trying to fix the sink to wash her hands (laughs) and then she finally gets it and uh, then she hears a noise though and she looks behind these like curtains that are in there and she doesn't see anything but then when she turns around (laughs) she gets a big axe right in her face yes and it is uh it's pretty That's good. also a very good brutal death scene. Yeah, really good special effects. Tom Savini just did so good on all the makeup and special effects in this movie. So, uh, just to catch y'all up, Annie is dead. Jack is dead. Marcy is dead. Everybody else. Oh, and Ned. Ned is dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else is playing strip monopoly, getting drunk and high. Yeah, and Steve is at a diner. And Steve is getting some coffee. Yep, at the world's smallest diner. (laughs) Yeah, it like it literally looks like a little like a camper. I don't know. I know. It looks like there's like three seats in it. Yeah, and it just says diner over the top of it, and he tips the waitress like seventy five (laughs) cents. Yeah, and I love the little waitress. She's got these, like, big, giant, like, bug-eye glasses and, like, this really bright red hair and bright red lipstick. And She's a very good representation of the time period. And she's like, thank you, honey. Yeah. She's very cute, and I love her. I do, too. But, yeah, this is where you see Steve at the diner, and then, like, it's just very briefly, pretty much just to show you, hey, you know, he's still... (laughs) a part of this movie he's coming back (laughs) yeah so he makes way back to camp crystal lake at this point so then it uh cuts back to the kids in the cabin play monopoly and brenda decides that she wants to uh call it a night and she wants to go to bed 
Well, the wind blows the door open and blows all their money all over the place. And then she says that she remembers she left her windows open in her cabin. So she's going to leave. And, you know, I'm like, it's already been raining for over an hour. Like it matters now. But at this point, he's like, oh, well, maybe I should do something about that. And she's going to go back to her cabin, close her window finally, I guess, and go to bed. Yeah. So she goes and does her whole little like bedtime ritual, which again made me feel so sad because I'm like, she's just like, she brushes her teeth and everything. She gets in her jammies and she lays down in bed and starts reading a little paperback novel. And I'm like, she's just, you know, gonna settle down and go to sleep. And then you hear somebody like, it sounds like a little kid yelling for help. Yeah. You just hear like, help me. Yeah. She looks up for a minute, and she's, like, reading that book or whatever, and she's like, no, I'm crazy. And she starts reading again, and then it does it again, and it's like, help me, please! Yeah, it's like the freaking leprechaun in the suitcase. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. So she decides, hey, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go investigate this and see what's going on. So she uh, gets on her, I think she puts on a little poncho or something, and she goes out into the rain. Yeah, and she can't find anybody and uh, the last th- time that you see her is with the, the lights there at the archery place come on. And she's kind of like freaked out. And then it cuts back to where Alice is at in the cabin and Bill coming in to like help her out. And they kind of start catching on that maybe something's wrong. And they're talking about trying to leave. But when they go to the vehicle that's there, the tr- I guess it's the truck that... Uh, jack and marcy and them came in it won't start and like there's something wrong with it so like they don't have a way to leave well see what happens right before that and this is what should have (laughs) should have gave it away that something real bad was going on but they still seemed relatively calm is when they went to look in um marcy's bed like they went to that cabin yeah where jack and marcy was there was a bloody axe in marcy's bed Oh, yeah, yeah. And, she, and Alice is like, what is going on here? <laughs> and Bill's like, I'm sure there's an explanation for all this. And I'm like, it's a big bloody axe in someone's bed. Right. And then, you know, like, you see they're having all this trouble and stuff. And it, it ends up, it goes back to show Steve again on his way there. And his uh, vehicle also, like, messed up on him. So he, like, catches a ride with this police officer and while him and that police officer are talking, you find out from him that it is uh, Friday the 13th and it is also a full moon. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what happens now is that cop gets a call about this big crazy car accident where some people may have died and stuff like that. And so Steve's like, oh, well, just drop me off here. I'll walk the rest of the way because he's like really close to the camp at this point. Yeah. So Steve gets out of the car and the police officer like drives away or whatever. And he comes up on the Crystal Lake sign and he sees somebody and he's like, (laughs) what was it he said? He's just like, what are you doing out here? Yeah, that's exactly what he says. And then he immediately gets stabbed. Yeah. It goes back to Alice and Bill and Alice. They are very typical white people names. They do. (laughs) (laughs) And Alice has like, decided to settle in because uh you know they can't leave they can't go anywhere and they had decided on waiting for steve to get back so she um had been asleep and she wakes up and goes into the kitchen to make herself some coffee because you know she's trying to stay awake or whatever so alice is back in that cabin by herself and bill is left to check on the generator because the generators went out it does cut back to her and she does end up leaving to search for bill she goes to the little place where the generator's at and the doors open to the generator and she shuts the door and that is where bill's body is pinned to the back of the door with arrows yeah and also his throat is slit so it's like super overkill they were making sure he's dead dead <laughs> oh yeah. So in that scene, he's got that arrow in his head and there's like, you know, blood like all down his face and stuff. Um the blood that they made in this movie was toxic because it had um chemicals in it that you use to um to develop 
photos. So like he let them put that blood on his face in order to do this scene. And whenever they got done filming it and he went to like, you know, like clean all the stuff off of his face, he couldn't see. And that stuff blinded that man for like six months. It took six months for him to get his vision back. Oh my God. That's terrifying. Yeah. Did Uh, that happen to anybody else? No, he's the only one that it happened to. And I think it's because like he had to have that over his face for like a, a while them to do the scene you know like it you know it was like a it wasn't a quick scene to film and I know like there was one other person who had got it in their mouth and had to hurry and go like rinse their mouth out and stuff because it could have poisoned them but yeah what did they make it out of um I don't remember the exact mixture if this is something like anybody you know listening is is very interested in uh I I found this out on um a documentary episode on Netflix uh, from the Movies That Made Us series. They do an episode on this. But yeah, like, they made it out of some kind of... I know it was, like, photo uh, developer, like, and something else. And they put the photo developer in there to make it thin enough so it would not look, like, you know, fake or whatever. But yeah, that like, I guess that was, like, the main toxic ingredient in it. But yeah. <laughs> That's insane. That is terrifying. I know. I was like, that's a... I don't know. Could you imagine that happening to you? Like, you go to film a movie and, like, the makeup, like, poisons you? (laughs) Okay, so back to our movie. Um, Alice has found Bill's dead body where he, you know, got blonded in real life for. (laughs) uh, She, at this point, is freaking out. Obviously, something very bad is going on. And uh, so she runs back to the cabin and she starts, like, locking herself in. And she's actually incredibly smart for somebody who's in a horror movie. Yeah. So there's no locks on these um, cabin doors and stuff, right? So she takes this rope and she ties it to the door and then attaches it to the ceiling and then ties it to something across the room so that if somebody tries to open the door it won't open right which was like that shook me that she did that because usually people in these horror movies are stupid yeah (laughs) and then she starts piling stuff in front of the door and she's over like i think she's got like a baseball bat and um a flashlight or something and she's just over there chilling in the kitchen and uh, she's finally starting to like calm down and stop hyperventilating then all of a sudden boom freaking brenda's body crashes through the window yeah and uh, that's when you see like you know what happened to her because you didn't get to see it when it happened and she's got like ropes and stuff all wrapped around her yeah so i'm not sure exactly what happened to her i guess maybe she just got strangled i don't know right Right at this moment, you see a car pull up, and it looks to be like it's uh, Steve's Jeep. Yeah. Alice, at this point, is like, oh, my God, Steve, Steve. And she gets out to the car, and there is a lady that gets out of the car. She's like, oh, my gosh, um, all this stuff is happening. All my friends are dead. And this lady's like, okay, calm down, calm down. It's fine. The way she introduces herself cracked me up, because she's like, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. (laughs) She goes, I'm a friend of the Christie's. I'm Mrs. Voorhees. So at this point, guys, now we know who the killer is. Right. So if anybody didn't know in this original movie, it, it actually is, in fact, not Jason. It is his mom. Right. And like, she is the most uh, non threatening looking human ever. Like, she's got like this nice, like, sweater on and a pair of slacks and like, um just this really well-kept little haircut and like her she's got like some light makeup on and she sounds very pleasant I mean like you know she looks like a sweet little grandma honestly yeah and she comes into the cabin and she's trying to you know make it seem like she's not going to do anything and she's like oh what a shame she was so young when she sees Brenda's dead body and you know like whatever and uh, Alice is freaking out, obviously, because, you know, her friends are dying and everything. And in the middle of that, like, Mrs. Voorhees just kind of cuts her off and is like, do you know that a little boy drowned here? Like, and she just starts going on about her own stuff. 
Yeah, like, and at this point, you're like, oh, this lady's crazy. And uh, so Alice is just kind of watching and, like, like you, she could tell, like, something is going on with this woman. Like, she's not normal. Yeah. So she starts freaking out. And she's like, there was a little boy that drowned here due to the counselor's neglect because they were all drinking and having sex instead of watching him. Yeah. And then she's like, and it was my boy. It was my boy, Jason. Yeah, she's like, I was a cook here. I was I was a cook here that year and they should have been watching him. He should have been watched all the time because he was a special little boy. Yeah, and then it shows uh flashbacks of Jason drowning. Yeah. And then she's like, Today's his birthday, you know. Which is also just adds another layer on there. Like, okay, Friday the thirteenth is also Jason's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so happy birthday jason and she she's getting him some murder for his birthday gift <laughs> mm-hmm. some revenge yeah. some sweet revenge which is doesn't make doesn't make any sense because these are not the people who did that to him but um i guess it's because it's the first people that have tried to reopen the camp since then yeah and she's crazy right. which we'll see how crazy she is here in a minute so Alice is like freaked out and she's like, okay, this lady's crazy. This is for sure, uh, you know, the murderer. And yeah. so she hits her and I can't remember what she hits her with or if she just like punches her in the face or something. Yeah, she, I think she hits her, like, like punches her in the face and then she falls down onto like the couch, I believe it is. And then she smacks her in the back with some kind of, a, I think it's fireplace poker. <laughs> and then she runs out the door. And then you see uh, Annie's body in the passenger seat of that car. And then she keeps running and Steve falls out of a tree. Yeah. And then it cuts to Mrs. Voorhees and she's making this really creepy voice and she's going, kill her, mommy, kill her. And she's like, don't worry, Jason, I'm going to. Yeah. Like, like she's up, talking to a... herself. Yeah. Yeah. So then Alice runs into this, like, little um, shed that's got all this, like, random camp gear in it. And she finds a gun. Yeah, like, why is that in there? I have no idea why there's a gun in there, but she's carrying this gun around. And then uh, it cuts to Mrs. Voorhees, and she turns the generator back on. So all the lights come on in that little shed. Then she finds Alice in the shed, and she just starts, like, bitch-slapping Alice. (laughs) (laughs) smacking her across the face yeah and they have a full-on tussle (laughs) yeah like just just a little cat fight because for some reason alice didn't use her gun she just threw it at her (laughs) (laughs) because that would be too easy (laughs) right so then alice goes back to that um main little counselor cabin uh where the kitchen and stuff is and she hides in that little pantry where all the food is she and she's so stupid about this like as smart as alice was throughout this movie she's so dumb here yeah but like you can hear uh mrs Voorhees like rummaging through the cabin or whatever and uh what it sounds like she goes out the door so alice immediately plops down against the door yeah like, the entry door of the pantry. Like, why? And it's got, like, all these huge, like, holes in it. As if you wouldn't be able to see her through that. Right. So then the uh, pantry door, like, doorknob starts, like, jiggling or whatever. She jumps back, and she's, like, up against the wall. And Mrs. Voorhees is, like, breaking down the door with, like, an axe. Yeah. And then she has, like, a uh, here's Johnny moment. <laughs> like, she breaks through the door. She's just, like, staring at her through the hole in the door. Right. But uh, she breaks it open, and she comes at Alice. And Alice smacks her in the head with a frying pan. <laughs> Which I realize isn't supposed to be comical, but it's a frying pan. It's funny. It's a frying pan. <laughs> but I think at this point she thinks that she's killed her. Or knocked her out or something because, like, she's, you know, she's on the floor or whatever. And Alice goes outside and she walks over to the lake and she's having this, like, honestly, probably just uh, this <laughs> trying to process all the trauma yeah. moment. And she's, like, just staring at her reflection in the lake. And uh, Mrs. Voorhees comes up behind her. Yeah. I think they have another little fight scene here. 
and then Mrs. Voorhees is beheaded. Yeah, so Alice finds a, and I'm guessing this is also a big foreshadowing thing, and also where we get the machete that ends up being the iconic weapon of choice of Jason throughout the series. Um, so she finds a machete on the ground. Yeah. Which I'm not sure why it's there. Like, I'm sure, I'm wondering if maybe there was some scene where I missed why it was there earlier. Yeah. But maybe it's where it was next to the canoes. Like, maybe it was to, like, chop the rope or whatever. Right. Well, I know they used the machete earlier in the movie, too, to kill that snake, right? Yes, they did. They used the machete and they uh, cut off the snake's head. Yeah. But then she uses that machete and chops off Mrs. Voorhees' head, which was very uh, gruesome. Yeah, and then she pops And it just goes flying. Yeah. (laughs) It's in slow-mo, too. You just... Like, slow-mo her head flying through the air and landing on the ground. (laughs) Yeah. So then she climbs into this canoe. I don't know why. I don't know what the purpose was. And floats out into the middle of the lake. Yeah, she's just out there sleeping with one hand in the lake. So uh, then it cuts to morning, and the police finally show up. And then that little boy, little dead boy Jason, pops up out out of the lake and like flips the canoe over yeah like grabs alice from behind and flips the canoe and uh then it cuts to alice waking up in a hospital so you're thinking this whole sequence was just a dream yeah the police are like well it because she's like are all my friends dead and they were like yeah we're we're sorry they're all dead and they were like well we thought like they were really nonchalant about it honestly yeah he's like he's like yep they're dead (laughs) and he's like we thought you were dead too we found you out there in the lake yeah and then she's like well what about the little boy is he alive and they were like what little boy and he she was like uh little boy jason he's the one that pulled me into the lake is he still alive and they were like we never found a little boy yeah and then that's basically the end of the movie isn't it and yeah she's like kind of just staring off into space and then it cuts off from like that to just a view of the lake and then the movie goes off right so that's setting you up for your sequel yeah so that's friday the 13th the original 1980 movie (laughs) (laughs) which is substantially different from any other jason movie i would say yeah and i don't think when the director the guy that directed this movie and stuff i do not think when this came out that they ever expected it to become what it is now because it spawned so many sequels there's a remake of it there are books there's comic books um there's games there's video games there is uh my favorite band ever who is a completely a a fan fiction friday the 13th jason Voorhees themed band (laughs) yeah called the jasons i mean like it just turned into such a big huge thing and it's definitely one of the most iconic uh slasher films that there is and you know everybody recognizes that that hockey mask and stuff and it's very interesting to me that the first movie doesn't even incorporate that at all i don't even think the second movie does either does it I think I think you're right. I think it takes about three movies before it finally does. And I can't remember where it came into play, but in the second movie, it's like a potato sack. Yeah, because I've got a uh, living dead doll <laughs> of that version well, that's, of Jason. That's awesome. I may be posting that this week. We've got a uh, we're big fans of uh, Jason and Friday the Thirteenth over here at the Midnight Moth, so we'll have all kinds of content for you this week. Oh yeah, we're excited. It just, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's just such a big pop culture kind of thing. And for a horror a horror movie to do that is just very impressive to me. And if anyone is interested in learning more about, like, the origins of this movie and all that kind of stuff, that uh, Netflix episode I mentioned earlier is awesome. And then on Shudder, there is also um, a documentary series called Behind the Monster and that has an episode too about uh the special effects in this movie and jason and stuff like that so it's it's pretty cool there's a lot of stuff out there about it but i just find it so interesting that just such a basic like slasher movie has become such a huge phenomenon yeah because it's 
grown like it's gotten so popular and it's completely like the most recent movies it's completely (laughs) different from where it began yeah and i know they've been wanting to do more with the movies but because of issues with like new line cinema and stuff like that there hasn't been a sequel in quite some time so i don't know when we're gonna see jason Voorhees on the big screen again but i'm sure at some point we'll we'll get a revival for it i think now don't hold me to this but i think the last movie that came out was the remake in 2009 wasn't it yeah it was so like i know so this just taking this movie into account and not all of the other things what kind of a rating do you give this movie this movie specifically um i would honestly me personally i'd give it like five five machetes (laughs) (laughs) because i just think it's a great uh concept yeah and it gets even better with the second and third movie when it actually like delves into the backstory and stuff like that. Like, it's just a very, like, it's not just like, Oh, it's a killer. Like they've actually got like a whole storyline going along with this and all this stuff that happened. And uh, it's just a really great story. It's really original to me. Yeah. And it like just really took off with the whole like creepy camp counselor thing, you know? Yeah. I, I think I'd give it like a four out of five. Um, it's a very watchable movie. I've watched it quite a bit. I typically watch this movie at least once a year. And I think that it's a good representation of kind of what could happen with like unchecked mental illness and stuff like that. That's kind of what makes this first one scary is the fact that it's uh, the first one is very realistic. Yeah, the deaths like this is are, very much something that could happen. Right, like the deaths are a little over the top, but like it could definitely plausibly be a a thing that you know, like a an upset parent uh, with like who never got the kind of help that they needed might come back and try to take revenge for what happened to their kid. Yeah, and those kinds of movies are always the scariest to me is the ones that could happen. I definitely agree with that. I feel that. <laughs> like when they're like, as far as like pretty well, all the rest of the Jason movies go, um, they're pretty over the top. They're pretty uh, fictional, like obviously fictional because like uh, Jason is the killer in the rest of the movies. And obviously Jason couldn't be the killer because Jason is dead. <laughs> right. And, and also Jason died when he was 11 and he comes back as a grown man. Yeah, and every version of him, he just comes back more monstrous and more monstrous. Like, he's not human anymore at all. Yeah, so uh, they're not as, like, actually scary yeah. as this first one. Because this first one was a real person who was just crazy. <laughs> right. But I definitely have some love for these movies. I like I I like them a lot. I like the idea, the characters, all that stuff. I think they did a good job with it, so... Um, I think they just had a really good story overall, like the Jason Voorhees story. I thought it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, all right, everybody. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our uh, Midnight Moth Goes to the Movies episode about Friday the 13th. We hope that you all are out there staying safe this Friday the 13th and enjoying whatever you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you could, uh, you know, give us a give us a rating, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. That really helps us out. Share this podcast with anybody in your life that you think might be interested in it. Um, we definitely want to grow our audience some so we can continue to make this content for you all. Um, if you have any stories or anything you want to share with us, if you want to let us know your thoughts on Friday the 13th, this first movie or just a whole series or anything like that, um feel free to send us that stuff at uh the midnight moth podcast at gmail.com or on instagram um at the midnight moth podcast and you can also reach our co-ghost yeah you guys can message me on tmm underscore co-ghost i love to hear from you guys just anything that you want to message me about um if you hear anything any info on this episode that we messed up on if you just want to talk to me about uh you know, Jason movies. I'm always down for that too. Uh, just whatever you guys want to talk about. I'm always here to listen. Yeah. We love you guys. Um, you're like 
our little circle of friends. So <laughs> our little mothlings. Our little mothlings and our little moth, in moth land. land. <laughs> in the our little closet. <laughs> in the coat pockets. <laughs> in the coat pockets of the 13 Club. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, guys, but we will see you right back here next week with another episode. And until then, we'll keep the lantern burning for you.